0: Two 2XX is really the only place where you're going to hear local issues in particularly discussed quite in depth and not just skimmed over in a soundbite. And, and to prove that to you today, we have two guests in the studio from the, uh, the Linham's common Lynham commons project which is, well, I'll let them explain it, but we have Meg Clark and we have Sue Peachy. And uh, hello to you both.
1: Hi, Scotty. Thanks very much for inviting us in.
0: No, thank you, Sue. Hi, Scotty. Hi, Meg. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah. So uh, what is the, uh, the Lynham Commons?
2: Well, we, um, we started this project about two and a half years ago where um, we were walking... Pa- a lot of people walk past a vacant bit of land that's just sort of sitting there doing nothing, looking like sort of scabby bits of grass and not much else, and um, started up conversations about, well, isn't it such a waste, this, you know, what, what, and what could we do about it? And some of the people were involved in permablitz and had been reading up and starting to do some work on food forests. And so they started the idea that wouldn't it be great if we could grow, if we could start a food forest on this land, and and make it a public one. We, and uh, their concept, right from the get go, was not like a um, you know gardening plots and a fence and individually owned plots, but a public piece of land that we just improved, that we made into a public food forest. Um, and, and people started, we started to talk about it as a group and eventually we decided to form a proper group and we started meeting regularly and putting in a submission to the ACT government and setting up, uh, making, giving ourselves a name, so we made up our name <laughs> and then um, we, um, it just all went from there. But it took us two years to get to the point where the ACT government would tell us yes and main reason was because we didn't fit any model. So we, we didn't fit the um, organic growers thing with individual plots um, and we didn't fit the parks volunteers program. Um, so they had to work out a model that would work for us and um, they, they were very much aware when they were doing it that other people might want to do the same thing elsewhere because they know that this is a kind of a trend that's happening worldwide. So they took a long time to come up with the right model because um, they wanted it to be something that could be copied through the rest of Canberra if people wanted to do it
0: yeah right so how big is the uh, the food forest i'm, I'm thinking
2: forest forest is yeah a, is it's a, kind of a mini it's a forest let's think meadow
1: <laughs> <laughs> food forest can actually be any size you can have a very small food forest in an urban garden as well um but the one that we're working with is about three thousand square meters we're at presently we've got four long planting beds that are uh, with the mulched area that we've got is about 900 square metres, so it's a reasonable size.
0: Yeah, right, okay, 900 square metres. Well, it's a lot bigger than my house. Yeah, it's yeah. about 40 by
1: 35 is, metres. Is there any food coming off it yet? <laughs> uh, we did have some mulberries on the mulberry <laughs> tree, but uh, we had to take them off because just to keep the vigour of the tree going in the early stage so we've had that (laughs) but it is very much at the early stage we just started the first planting in early spring so uh, yeah, it's at a really good point for people to get involved as well because uh, there's a lot of learning to happen at this point and if people are wanting to start gardening or start their own food forest at their own place it's a really good chance to come along and get some hands on experience and also design experience as well there's opportunities to be involved in that
2: so over over one hundred and eighty people have signed up as being part of the Commons, so they get a regular newsletter and update and which tells them about work, um, working bees and other things like that so it's been a really positive response from the community they've really um, sort of you know been excited about it sort of it's almost like an, a need that people didn't know they had <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess if you look at where it actually is, it's, it's surrounded sort of on three sides by schools, which is a great thing for the learning, and on one yeah. side by uh, a whole bunch of flats and townhouses with a lot of shade on their gardens. So there's your need. It's, uh, has any of those people been interested?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. We've. Um, it's interesting because some of the people who asked questions and were a bit worried about it at first have actually become um, quite strong supporters and come by and ask us if they want to, if we want to plug and earn into their PowerPoint or use a bit of their water or you know so they've been really lovely about it Um, because and we've been very careful to bring them along with us and not to do it at a faster pace than they're ready to kind of you know that they're a bit anxious about what's happening in their backyard and so we've been taking that pace and a lot of talking with their local people um, the schools have been quite positive. Um, one of the teachers who runs the horticulture program at the school is very keen and we're leaving a, an area of it for the school to develop that part um, and they're quite keen to do that and the primary school has been involved and all three schools sent along representatives of their schools for our grand opening and they each each of those groups of representatives planted a tree for their school. So we tried to bring the schools into the project and we'd like to do that more and more.
1: Mm. Um, the Working Bees are really fun. You know, it's uh, you can find out through the Facebook page or going to the website when they're happening. But it's a really nice bunch of people and a very diverse group, all ages and all types. Um, and there's a lot of laughter. And, you know, we have a couple of workshops every time just to... You know, educate everybody about what it is, what a food
0: forest is. Yeah, right. So, why did you choose the the, the forest model instead of going with, say, uh, your community garden plot sort of structure?
2: Well, we wanted it to be public land. We wanted it to stay public land. That was really important to us. That it, what we were doing, was um, was public food. You know and we wanted the community in, involved we wanted them freedom we wanted we didn't want to own the produce we wanted a sort of sense of abundance so uh, so that the community could come and pick the fruit or um, take part in the working bees um, and that anybody could be involved you didn't have to sign up you know to own a plot or anything like that. So it was really important to us that, that, that we had that model. Because what we want to do is to build capital, social capital in the community of Lynham, um, uh, provide an education and um, awareness raising about the importance of food growing um, and food security um, and the impacts of climate change on food and how we can manage that. And all of those things. So it was re- it, that's why we didn't want it to be, you know, individual plots. And we certainly didn't want a fence. You know, we want people to be able to come and use the site. I, I love that term,
3: building social capital in
2: Lynam. What? What's social capital? <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: well, it's Canberra, isn't it? It's the social capital.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, yeah. I uh, there's a there's a uh, there's a famous book by um a guy called Tubman called Bowling Alone which talks about the lo- it's an American book where it's probably true for all modern industrial economies is that we used to have the, the, you know, a local community used to be built around the school and the church mm-hmm. and people knew each other in the neighborhood and kids played in the street and um, kids walked to school and you know that a lot of that capital that building that you know when someone went to the hospital have a baby everyone would be around with the casseroles and that some of that social capital has gone um, and uh, that you know the more you build that social capital the more resilient your community is and we and what we have found and I think Sue was alluding to that is that when we have our working bees not only do we get a lot of people coming all different kind of people coming but they we have we always finish with lunch with a picnic and when we first started people didn't really bring much and someone would go up and buy a few pizzas and it was a bit random and a little bit ramshackle but what we found is that people wouldn't go home <laughs> we'd be trying to pack up the wheelbarrows and shovels and everything and people just sat on having lunch together even though it was pretty scrappy lunch at that just on blankets on the on you know just a scrappy bit of land and in in them. but they wouldn't go home so it's sort of amid a major need that, you know, people didn't know they had, really. Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was really wonderful to find. And, and the food's getting better and better.
1: <laughs> Weed pie next. I think <laughs> people really feel a need to make a connection with others in their community. And, you know, our modern times are so um, defined in a way by disconnection, like disconnection from each other and disconnection from the land and where our food comes from. So I think, you know, mm. just the response really indicates that people are, are really ready f-
3: to reconnect. I've got a very practical question, and it, the word is
2: possums. <laughs> are you,
3: you going to be able to read any of this, or is this for the
2: the possums of London? <laughs> It depends how quick the community members are doesn't it but we've, this is all um, one of the things that we put in our in our um, pamphlets about ourselves is that it's all a learning experience <laughs> <laughs> and so how we deal with birds possums um, people who pull out plants or vandalise that's all stuff part of the learning you know we really don't know what's going to happen so uh, yes it'll be interesting to see
0: just like <laughs> all the farmers yeah
2: <laughs> But because it's been an open field and it's not, it's not um, connected to other bits of land. Possums don't tend to go across open areas a lot, but was it, but it may they may well decide to come and live there. I don't know. Yeah, Do you have <coughs> a thought on that, Sue? Um, well, I think it's
1: like you were saying, it's a bridge we have to cross when we come to it. Uh, there are some strategies to deal with possums. Uh, Jackie French has developed quite a productive orchard, and she's got a lot of roses climbing up her trees, and possums don't like to get into those prickly places, so maybe it's an option, but we'll we'll just see as we go along. And just learn. And, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, that's right. Grow a naphthalene tree or something as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what made you choose the species, talking about roses and imaginary trees?
2: Do you want to talk on that, sir, or? Uh Yeah, well, the,
1: the tree species were chosen... And you know the ones that have gone in um, have been chosen, but the um, the ones that are still to go in, we you know have the option to still design that. So the important thing about the ones we choose is that they're resilient. you know they have a lot of disease resistance. so uh, some of the heritage trees, are definitely good choices in that that regard, and also getting a, ra- a range of fruit and nuts, and you know it could be any kind of use that we have. It could be plants that we use for dyeing. It could be uh, fiber, or some of the plants uh, to provide mulch and increase the fertility in the soil. So yeah, there's there's a few different criteria for plant choice.
0: Yeah, right, and I suppose your site's probably not big enough but did you consider timber production as well?
1: Mm, not not really big enough although um, some of the That's acacias it. we have put in for nitrogen fixing do get quite big but we intend to keep those small so we'll prune them each year and just let the, uh, the prunings become mulch
3: Yeah. Scotty, do you really think the residents <laughs> of Linham were going to allow you to chop
2: the trees down?
0: Well, <laughs> the street trees go down, don't they? And that's for no cause
2: you can chop branches down so and that's what we're we'll doing with it <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah
0: right yeah. Yeah. it's possible it's possible it's a
1: very evocative image the food forest um you know to go into a forest and find everything edible is uh quite you know it's paradise really isn't it
0: <laughs> that is the garden of eden
1: brings.: to mind so although we take the forest as our model you know we do modify it to the situation so yeah there's many things about a natural ecosystem that are advantageous to us um, but we want it to be edible so you know we have to allow sunlight to get into those fruit trees that, that need it to fruit well
0: mm. and what are, what are the good bits of a forest that you've sort of plucked out and well, stuck in your design uh,
1: well, the, um, well all forests you know have certain characteristics and one of them that makes this idea a great model for a public space is that they are low maintenance you know, a forest doesn't get any maintenance whatsoever, it's uh, very self-sustaining, so um, yeah, that's, that's a really good <laughs> we're not at that stage yet but <laughs> <laughs> quite a few years off that in fact <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's one of our goals You know, to have it largely self-maintaining
0: yeah, yeah
3: what I'm hoping is that other people around Canberra who are listening to this are going to be inspired because, you know, times may come when we need food in our city.
2: Well, yeah, and that's what's happening all over the world is that urban agriculture is one of the fastest growing trends right throughout um, both the developing world and in um, the developed world that um, people are realising that urban spaces need access to their own food and not have them all to travel from long, long distances through big supermarkets. Mm.
0: I can recall ages ago when this sort of thing was proposed, there was, there was a lot of opposition to it from within the government and without from the uh, the orcharding sort of industry saying, oh, they're going to abandon those trees and pests will breed up and we'll all be ruined. And, and, and did you come across anything like that?
2: Well, I mean, this was one of the reasons why it took us two years to negotiate A Yes, outcome from the ACT government, because even though they liked the idea a lot, there was a lot of concern about that. And in fact, we discovered that each one of our trees goes on the asset register of the ACT government. (laughs) (laughs) So you didn't know that, Sue. No, no, they're now ACT assets. Um, And so they wanted to know every single tree that we were doing and what we were doing. But we've also got a five-year project memorandum of understanding. And in the memorandum, if we abandon it, we've got to make good, basically. So So we would have to...
0: Lose your assets.
2: Lose our assets, and then that's their (laughs) decision of what they do with them. So they, they are managing that concern about fruit trees all over the place. I mean, you might know that there are quite a few areas of Canberra where there were fruit trees in the early days, and then the ACT government kind of backed off that whole idea. But there's still little hidden pockets of orchards all around Canberra.
3: I used to live on plums in the summer when I was growing up in Canberra. Yeah. because they just grew everywhere.
2: Yeah, but they then they just kind of they grew they they stepped back from that for exactly that reason for the maintenance issues. So we are hoping that this these these ones continue to be maintained by our community group and um, that you know we get to be um, a permanent feature of the Lynham community.
0: Mm. Yeah. Right. So. You mentioned that you've sort of been a catalyst for getting the model through the government side of things. Do you know if there's any plans for reproducing your model in Canberra?
2: Um, We've had a couple of um, um, people talk to us about whether they would do something similar. Interestingly, one of the groups that discussed it have actually already got a little orchard that actually was planted by um, the parents of the Um, children at the co-op school many years ago when it was very much a sort of a hippie community and there's a little orchard at the back of it and they came to talk to us and whether we could use our model to become more official and to um, expand it further Um, and we've had um, other people ask about it but we haven't had any formal contact yet but if anyone is interested we're more than happy to share All of our struggles, learnings, and more importantly, our documentation, our um, risk assessment that we developed to get past government was a mammoth (laughs) task—like crazy, crazy, crazy mammoth. And so, we'd like to short circuit those processes for other people.
0: (laughs) You could give them a pre-filled one. Absolutely,
1: (laughs) it's really important to us that this is replicable, and you know, we are keeping a lot of records about what we're planting, what works, and you know, that's going to be valuable to anybody who wants to start a food forest in the future.
0: Yeah, very...
2: So so where is this exactly in Lynham? Do you know where the two schools are? There's a Lynham Primary School at one side of the Oval and the Ann Sullivan's Creek and the Lynham High School on the other. And if you ride on the bike path between the two, it's on your right-hand side before you cross the creek. Mm -hmm. So if you go from the Lynham Shops, look at the Lynham Primary School and ride towards Lynham High School on the bike path, it'll be on your right. You won't be able to miss it anymore. So
3: that's Sully's Creek that that goes
2: through, that's all been planted up down there. Just on the right, just on this side, on the um, west side of Sullivan's Creek. Mm.
3: I was sitting down there some time ago by that creek, watching people ride by on bikes and kids coming to play on the grass, and it just seemed like some sort of utopia. There was no car in sight.
2: Well, it is lovely, and every time we have a working bee, people stop by in their bikes or walking and ask about it and uh we usually have to have someone on duty just to talk to people (laughs) there's always someone who volunteers who doesn't want to dig a shovel (laughs) so and and people you know so people are still finding out about it and getting very enthusiastic and some people there have been people who've been riding past on their bike who come back 15 minutes later with their wheelbarrows (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to get involved that's so that spontaneous you know joining in oh, lovely. one of our next, yeah, next tasks is to get some
1: signage up there so you know people know what it is when they see it um, and when working bees are going to happen and just a little bit of interpretation I guess
2: about what's going on there but we need money for that <laughs> I was going to say how do you finance this well, um, we have been doing it in the hard slog way. We've been selling stuff at, um, you know, a party at the shops and um, some of us have been catering for every time um, um, a choir has um, practised during the, a day practice. We've been making lunch for them. And <laughs> so we've been doing it the hard slog way, but we're about to launch into some fundraising because we need to buy um, a water solution, whether that's a tank or something else, and mm. a sign... Um, and just have more resilience for the long term. Oh, well, At the moment, we've been doing, you know, earning $400 here and $200 there and eking it by making apple jelly from foraged apples and things like that. So,
3: Do post a link to that fundraising effort on our 2 X Behind the Lines Facebook page.
2: We'll do for sure. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, okay. good idea.
3: We're
0: going to have a bit of a spell and uh, go to a song, which is the fittingly from the Formidable Vegetable Sound System, and uh we will be back with you shortly you're on community radio 2 X 98.3 fm you're listening to <coughs> behind the lines with Scotty and Rebecca and uh we joined well before we do that we're we're in the middle of radiothon radiothon yep so uh, we're asking for your support to to join us here at Two X in expanding the media. Oh, I've lost my train of thought.
3: We need to buy a new transmitter because all those people on the edge of Canberra can hardly hear us. Can you hear us, aren't they, Canberra? No, you're very faint. Oh, we're by trying to buy a new transmitter. Please subscribe or donate. There's some great prizes to be won.
0: Ah, uh, yes, yes. So um yes, two x supports uh, all those communities in Canberra, multiple communities in canberra who uh, who who may speak a, another language other than English and uh, all sorts of minorities in musical tastes and uh, people who have thoughts that aren't supported by Rupert Murdoch and uh, information on health, science, environment, all sorts of ideas unions. you name it, Two double x covers it at some point during the week. Uh, news from the drug war front Brings you sort of stuff on that Sort of side of things There's all sorts of cool Cool shows So you need to log on to our website 2xfm And uh, and check out the the guide there And you will find something That really excites you
3: uh, We have some a very strange Fundraising event tonight It's a free event uh, It's on a greener place called Broadening the Broadcast And it's an enormous night of music Uh, we're going to host a lineup of local bands including brotherby and slow turismo along with a guest appearance from local greens mla our own shane raddenbury it's an all-ages event boasting a seven time seven times four meter stage is that something to boast about oh well professional lighting and sound and it's going to be broadcast live on the radio but get down there because we want to rattle a donation tin in front of you while you're listening to the music and feeling good you might want to join us for the after party afterwards down at the transit bar entry is five dollars it's from 9 pm and there's a great lineup of local djs including b for sound and soul crane Crooked sound system angus abbott Kazuki B Tham for State Tidy. Transit Bar 9pm. That's the radiothon Broadening the Broadcast After Party. Entry 5 PM No worries Entry well, $5,
0: sorry. $5, yes. I was going to bring along more. At my 9 PM. PM.
3: It starts at 9pm.
0: 9 9pm, 9 very good. Um right, right. Well that is excellent. I'm gonna get along to that, you know. That sounds good, and I have actually heard a rumor—I don't know if it's true or not—that actually all the people who are going to be carrying those, those those buckets full of change around have actually been recruited from a percussion group. So they're going to be rattling their buckets in time to whatever music's going on. But it's only a rumor at this stage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, in the studio we have we have Meg Clark and Sue Peachy from the Lynham Commons. Welcome back, welcome back, and um, yeah, it's an interesting name, the Lyman Con. I keep getting that mixed up, the Lyman Commons, um, what's a common? I hear this term being floated around the place, hither and yon, but I'm not really sure what a common is, what's a common?
2: Yeah, well, you would know, I mean, anyone who grew up in the UK would know what a common was, I think, so a common was an area of land that was common. Um, it's probably made more popular by Greenham Commons protest than anything else, where the Commons was taken over for nuclear weapons, um, a nuclear facility, um, and the women of Greenham Commons sort of camped around it and staged a protest for years and years and years um, to win back the common. So it's it's a politically important concept, the idea that there is a common, an area of land that is owned by everybody, that's part of your common. Um, use as a community. Um, it's come from, I guess, UK common law. <laughs> and um, in um, publishing, there's a thing called the Creative Commons, where anything that you produce that you want to be copyright free, to be able to be used by anybody, it's put on the Creative Commons list. So we thought the concept of the Commons was a, a good one to, to use to... Um, to, and also we couldn't think of anything better, <laughs> let's face it. <laughs> we wanted line them in the name and commons just seemed to be the thing that um, you know what rang that, most true to it.
3: You know what that word brings to me, mind to me is, though, is this book, The Tragedy of the Commons, yes. about how things that are owned in common don't get looked after or get taken over by bigger forces.
2: So. Yes, but, but the, um, the message of that book was that we need to take back the commons. And look after it, and and treasure it, and um, not have. And that if you live in a, I guess, an aggressive capitalist neoliberalist society, that's what happens. And that we actually want to um, fight back against such a society where things are only looked after because corporations and big money own it. And that we want actually want the people to start taking responsibility and owning it again, doesn't it? I mean, that's, it's very strange how common yeah.
3: space can just be taken over by a capitalist em- enterprise. Yeah. Like, for example. town squares where there used to be places where you could sell stuff and sit down. Now a big shopping mall will be built there where there's hardly
2: any seats and everything you want to do there you've got to pay for. Correct. And, you know, you can't can't even leaflet in shopping centres, you know, for your political cause. But, of course, big business can put up paid advertisements there. So it's an unequal space for getting a message out. Only people who've got money are going to pay... And Everything is all part of if you can't pay, you're not part of the profit machine, then you don't exist in those spaces. You're just uh, you all you exist for is to be a consumer, that's and your only relationship to the world. That you're not a citizen anymore, you're a consumer. And we wanted that, that, and that's another reason actually to call it a commons. So, thank you for that. That we want to fight back and bring back the commons, the um, the killing of the commons, if you like. Yeah, Do you think we'll ever get the Canberra Centre back? Oh.
0: <laughs> maybe I in the next economic no, no, you've collapse you've got
2: my imagination starting to rumble here
0: <laughs> maybe during the next depression we could take it over as a boarding house <laughs> if the aircon still works
2: i can think of all the nice garden rooftop garden spaces and ground garden spaces mm. we could run Woo. <laughs> yes solar energy powerhouse it could yep, be absolutely community of mm. Community-built, based.
0: Uh, lots of plans afoot. So uh, so who does own a commons? Who owns a commons?
2: Uh, our commons is owned by the government, but and that means by the people as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, yeah. That was what took us long, longest in the model. They would have given it to us like that if we had said, give us a lease. We didn't want a lease. We just didn't want to have it as... Um, something which we had a lease, we wanted it to be common space and that's what took the extra time
0: mm. i suppose in the larger scheme of things the government itself is a form of commons really isn't it
2: <laughs> yep and that's why um certain parties want small government don't they <laughs> ah,
0: yes yes interesting interesting so um yeah you, you say that anyone can come in and use it
2: yep Yep, it's public space, so it's no different to what it is now, what it was before we started. Mm -hmm.
0: And is there any room for expansion? Should it become really, really, really popular?
2: (laughs) Actually, it's interesting you should ask that because um, when we first went to talk to ACT government and we um, actually showed them the site, um, they said, "Oh, is that all you want?" (laughs) (laughs) and so because next to it there's a line of celtus trees going down to the creek and then on the other and then all the way up beside the bike path up to the north of it up to um what's um i can't even think of the name of the street up there mowat street Mm -hmm. that's all common space as well and they thought we wanted all of that um so i guess the answer is I guess the answer is yes there is <laughs> mm. i think we might just um stay within our footprint for yeah, the moment it's
1: important at this stage to do what we have really well and yeah. to show that it can work mm. um and also you know we don't want to get sort of too ahead of ourselves it's good to do things slowly and and to take small steps and 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 grow on those steps mm. each time so yeah, I think that's important.
0: Mm, that's interesting because the corridor you mentioned there is actually right between all those schools as well. So uh-huh. there's a lot of scope for getting mm, them it's involved, a isn't location. there?
1: Great location. You know what you were speaking about before about childhood memories of picking plums or mulberries. You know, I think that establishes in children a, a you know food culture mm. of fresh food and and also where it comes from. You know, it's not just something you go and pick up in the supermarket.
2: And um, given that um, Lynham is kind of um, very much part of that whole growth corridor for high-rise apartments, particularly once the light rail comes in, so all of the bit from Northbourne back to that creek, almost back to that creek, back to the Lynham High School anyways, now um, you know you're able to build five storeys and I think some of it you can build eight I'm not sure of the details, but we are going to get a much more density there and people who don't have access to their own gardens and land. So we want to really make sure that what what open space we have, we defend and improve as much as possible. Yeah.
3: What about composting? When you're living in an apartment, there's nowhere to really compost unless oh, you want to live with a
2: worm farm. Is there going to be any community composting? Um, (laughs) I'm the one that keeps beating the drum about this one so you're asking the right person I would love us to have a compost facility down there but that might be a step too far for the neighbourhood until we get our credentials right so we're going to do everything else right first which is a pity because really we should have been doing the compost while we were waiting to do the land then we would have had beautiful friable soil uh, compost to put out but um, you've got to go with your neighbourhood and There would have been huge concerns about rats and things like that until we could show that we could do that without creating those kind of side effects. Mm,
1: The potential Mm. in that neighbourhood for creating a lot of compost from all the food waste is enormous, you know, it really is a big resource and worm farms are actually great in small apartments. Except what do you do with your worm juice?
2: <laughs> so already, just at, the, just at our lunchtime picnics of our working bee, I've made arrangements to pick up some waste from two of the people who live in apartments to take home to my compost making. So it's kind of happening in a low-key sort of way. And um, all of the weeds we dug up when we were do, doing the weeding the other week um, Enriched my compost heap, <laughs> I have to confess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the moment, it's off-site, which is a pity. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the other thing was is that the uh, Tillies will be very happy to give us all their coffee grounds, and their coffee, a the huge amount of coffee each week that they um, that they um, have to get rid of. And so that that's um, a great resource that we could be using better. So yes, there's a lot of unmet potential at the moment which is on my radar, but I think it's just sitting there waiting for a suitable time.
1: Yeah, there's a certain sort of test period, if you like, where we, uh, I feel we have to prove that we know what we're doing and yeah. And, Credibility. Uh, get it, We've got get a it to cred. a certain point and then, you know, start expanding.
0: Gotta build your social capital.
2: Exactly. Social capital. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. What about the schools? Do they do composting?
2: That's a good question. Um, they do, I know that, we've, um, I'm, I'm with um, the Canberra Gay and Lesbian Choir and we have our practices there in the school and I know from that and from cooking their lunches for their day thing that they have separate bins for food and, and non-food type waste so they must do something with it and they have started gardens. This is Lynham Primary School. I'm pretty sure Lynham High School does because they've got a really um, kind of with it horticultural person I'm sure he would have organised but I, I don't know the answer.
0: That's right, they haven't had a goat, they should have a compost if yeah, they've got a goat. that's
2: right it's a, a walking compost machine.
0: That's right maybe <laughs> they just feed everything to the goat how about animals?
2: Oh <laughs> <laughs> well yes, would have been lovely wouldn't yeah, it? yeah, animals actually fit
1: really well into forest gardens, mm. um, particularly yeah, well things that can break intri- insect cycles but yeah, it's not really practical in this location at this point in time
2: although we will be doing what we can to attract um, you know, predator insects and mm. birds and bees and those animals. So bees, the things that don't have to cap, keep captive, will certainly be um, mm. working to bring to our site. Mm.
0: Yeah, nice. I guess you could even get one of your friendly neighbours to stick a beehive in. Yeah, that would
2: be great. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. need a few more
1: flowers, but yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Hungry bees, you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. So, what what sort of foods could be grown in a in a forest? So, imagine ten years into the future, the forest's expanded. What what sort of things would be coming out of it in in a climate like Canberra?
3: We've
1: got hazelnuts planted there at the moment, so we can you know the the nuts obviously are a harvest, and you can also coppice them and use the canes for making structures, climbing structures. Um, We've got an app. We've got apples, plums, mulberry. Pomegranate, uh, there's medlar plant. Yep. Um, but you know, that's sort of the canopy species, but then you get into the shrub layers, which currants, artichokes, um, lots of perennial vegetables, and uh, ground covers as well. Her- herbs, Herbs, medicinal, medicinal herbs. herbs and, and then a lot of insectary plants, you know, to bring in beneficial insects and,
2: and bees.
0: Yeah, right, so um.
2: So it won't be like, there won't be rows of tomatoes or something like that Hmm. No, it's a polyculture, so it's a
1: really mixed, you know, has a lot of high diversity I mean in many ways this type of system a forest garden is an antithesis of the agricultural system So, you know, where that is a monoculture, ours is a polyculture, has high diversity which gives it a lot of resilience, you know, which an agricultural system doesn't have uh, it also creates, you know, it's self-maintaining so it, cr- it creates its own nutrient base as well. So a lot of the plants will be dynamic accumulators so they'll bring phosphorus or calcium or other needed minerals to the system.
2: So, so one of the things we didn't say but um, it's kind of obvious is that we're not just trying to make good use of the soil. We, As we're doing so, we're regenerating that soil mm-hmm. so it's becoming... Um better and better as we go along.
0: So yeah, I, I know from talking to my farming friends that if you if you don't kill the soil but you feed it, it yeah. actually collects carbon, doesn't That's it? right It becomes a carbon it's in, sink.
2: It's actually is a se- natural sequestration process that mm. you go through. Yeah. And some
1: of the things we'll be planting will be specifically to add carbon and build up that soil biomass. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, right. So from soil to oil, does it use a lot of fossil fuels to grow food in this way? No,
1: it doesn't. And that's, you know, another, (laughs) another reason it's not like an agricultural system. You know, it's been said that our food is covered in oil the stuff we buy (laughs) and and, you know if you consider that like the amount of fossil fuels that go into into growing something not just in the mechanisation stage of you know what is a very industrialised food growing system but getting it to the shops you know so it's it's real. that system is really unsustainable and
2: we need we need to change so if there is anything that we're farming it's the soil yeah
0: beautiful beautiful right we're going to go to another song this is this is another one from the uh, the formidable vegetable sound system which is the uh, the the permaculture album that's come out have you guys heard that one
1: yeah i've heard a little bit i love it
0: yeah it's It's a classic everybody should should get hold of that you're on Community Radio, double X98.3 FM. You're listening to Behind the Lines with Scotty and Rebecca. You're also listening to Radiothon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we are asking you to give us your money this week even more seriously than we do every other week. So uh, please give us a ring on 62300100. I believe it's a tax-deductible...
3: It can be a tax-deductible or non-tax-deductible
0: donation. Yes, whichever way. And if you choose to have a non-tax-deductible donation, you can enter a prize draw and win all sorts of really cool things. Um, there are giveaways and there's music and there's all sorts of stuff all sorts of stuff a
3: signed framed first dog on the moon print by Andrew Marlton a night's accommodation for two guests at Hotel Hotel New Acton a custom made coffee table built by Boyangolco a Telstra entertainment pack including Telstra TV six months presto voucher and six months Stan voucher a two year National Gallery of Australia membership these are some of the prizes you can win if you donate
0: all right, we are joined in the studio by Meg Clark and Sue Peachy from the Linham Commons, and we've been talking all about that. We've covered almost everything, but we we still do have a few little things left. Um, now, every every farming system and every garden needs needs the one thing besides the soil. It's water. <laughs> what? Um, how are you going with water?
2: Um. We, we've set up the infrastructure to maximise the water that comes onto the land naturally. Um, so we've dug, and the first working bee was digging these very deep swales um, through uh, along the contour. It slopes gently down to the creek, so we went um, it, sort of parallel to the creek, if you like, and, and dug big swales that will capture all the water that comes and take it slowly through the land and allow it to and as we took the, the soil out of the, the, the ditches to make the swales, we created a raised area called a berm, which is where the trees are. So that means the water will sit in those swales and absorbed by the trees through the berms.
1: Yeah, it tends to seep through the, the mounds over time and hold, you know, the water is held there.
0: Yeah, so, so you've uh, created was... a, a really long puddle. Yeah. With a mound mm. downhill, and you've planted into the mound.
2: Correct. Uh, ah, yeah. the ingenious. Classic, a classic <laughs> permaculture principle, um, which works particularly well in Australia, and it works particularly well in a dry country, and um, our 632 mil annual rainfall, probably going down over the next five years at least, um, that's not going to meet all our needs. So we know that that's not enough.
1: We've mulched as well, which helps to retain moisture and the plants also will, you know, shade the soil and, and help to retain moisture like that. But we will need additional water in times of, of really dry.
2: So at the moment, we're filling up watering cans and walking them down to the site and, and watering the plants, which is not a long-term solution. Um, but that's because we've only got um, one, one berm planted. Um, we've got a few little things which we, we've got a couple of strategies which we're looking at. Um, one of them is we we don't we really would prefer not to have town water, but it may well be the, the best solution in the short term. We would like to get a tank there and get the roof run off from the aged care centre that's next door to our site. Um, but that at the moment goes straight in into the groundwater system and out to the, sullivan's creek which is a bit of a waste um and to capture it you'd either have to dig down a meter and find a way to bring it up or have an underground you know engineering solution or something like that the other option is the school roof but then we'd have to run a big pipe through under the bike path and the third the and the third option is um to we've we've been in discussion with some people in the flats about having a an extra tap put in with a separate meter on it for us but that's really not our preferred option because that's town water and we would really like to use to use water that's coming into that general area better than what it's being used at the moment um so i guess that's a work in progress Um,
0: how about the the creek itself do you reckon that water would be suitable for putting on food
2: yeah i would have to test that um we're not sure what goes into it upstream um, so it probably catches all the road runoff, I guess, yeah. which
1: there's probably quite a lot of pollutants going to that yeah. as well.
2: and we would have to put in reed beds and a lot of testing. We did have some discussions with the people who run the water what's it called the um, wet, wetlands, and they've got um they've brought the water across to a big thing to wa- where to water the um Lynham School Oval, um, but um. And they had. we talked about using that water, which is grey water, but we would have had to put in, we'd do a lot of testing and run it through some reed beds or something. So that's also a, a potential future plan. But whatever we did, we'd have to do suitable testing because we don't want to put water on plants that's got um, toxic chemicals in it. Mm, so
1: Capturing rainwater on site would be the ultimate solution because everything grows better with rainwater.
0: It does, mm. it does. You don't happen to know why that is, do you?
1: Um, well, I can only guess the chemicals in <laughs> the potable water isn't
2: good. It's probably yeah. heavily oxygenated too, isn't it, our rainwater? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. I don't know no, enough about it myself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what are the next steps for Lynham Commons?
2: Well, fundraising to um, <laughs> to be able to afford whatever water solution we end up with um, in the long term and the medium term. So we're probably looking to have an event... Um, at some time in the near future. Um, Tillys have offered to help us out, which is really lovely of them, but um, we haven't made any decision yet which way we'll go on that. But uh, if people wanted to donate in the meantime, it would be lovely. We'd be very more than happy. Um, we've got a, a website um, called linehamcommons.wordpress.com and we've got a Facebook page which is called Lineham Commons. Um, and we've also got a Twitter account called Lynam Commons, surprise, surprise. Um, you could contact us through either of those and we can provide our bank account details. Um, we'd be more than happy. We'll probably, we might set up a, a fundraising thing on Possible or one of those things, but that's we didn't want to do that until we had a very specific thing that we were fundraising for. So that's our next step is to work out what is our actual What is our medium-term water solution? Um, And we've got a bit of delay on that because if we get a water tank on site, we're going to have to um, consult with the local community and we need um, ACT government support to do that. The person we're dealing with is not available till January, so that's a bit of a delay on that process. So we'll get there we will but this is our next challenge is what is our medium and long-term water solution i think
1: just to call out to any gardeners out there as well you know we are going to need a lot of plants for this Mm. and if uh, local gardeners know of things that do particularly well edible plants or or herbs and uh, may be interested in propagating some things for us or growing growing small amounts in their backyard that would be great too
2: the other thing that now that summer's coming up is um one of the things we would like to do is to not just that not all of our community events need to be shovel oriented <laughs> 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 so we could um have uh swaps of excess fruit and i mean often people end up with a huge amount of water of tomatoes all at the one time and would be happy to swap that for something else or so maybe you know kind of a swap meat with plants and and excess fruit from, and vegetables from your garden Um, jam making so anything like that we would be interested in um, if people have particular ideas of things that they think the community would like to do on the site even just um, a barbecue or a a bit of a party or something we'd be happy to um, coordinate something like that and make use of summer uh, like the food forest itself that has lots of
1: interconnections between the plants we want to create lots of interconnections between the people as well Mm.
2: So any ideas on things like that, um, think of us as a possible site to um, kick it off.
0: Nice one. Anything else you'd like to add before we wind up?
1: Come to the Working Bees. It's really, really fun.
2: Yeah, and join us. You just have to, um, there's a join thing on the page, and um, then you'll get access to all of our information and what's going on.
0: Nice one. When's the next Working Bee?
2: Um,
1: we haven't. We don't have them at sort of regular times. We We tend to do them
2: irregularly
0: irregularly updated well, they're, a bit ne- yes.
2: they're a bit needs based so we've, mm. we've, um, we can't plant the next lot of um, fruit trees until at least what April
1: mm, yeah the next next planting season when we can be assured of some decent rain
2: or but we could rain. prepare that berm we could get some yeah. cases in but not yeah. at this yeah. stage of there's the year there's a lot of planning before that so <laughs> mm. for designers or budding
1: designers come along and learn and share what you know
0: yeah, nice one. Well, Meg Clark and Sue Peachy, thank you very much for coming in and telling us all about the Lynham Commons.
2: It's been a pleasure. Yeah, Thank, thank you. you for having us.
0: <laughs> no worries.